go. Wardcast <laughs> episode 159. Go. 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 I think we already did that. Well, now I know, I go know. to the polls. Wardcast wants you to go <laughs> to the polls. Um, hey, I'm Dylan Alvento. I'm joined by Will Blanton. Hey, Dylan. Trying to knock me off my rhythm. <laughs> Bastard. And Alex Damrath. Hi. How you doing? Uh, not sick anymore. Oh, yes. That's wonderful. Thank you for rejoining the land of the living. Yeah. <laughs> Just in time for game of the year. No, it's not game of the year yet. Uh, we're <laughs> recording this the day of best games played, but through the magic of the internet, Whoa. you won't be getting best games played until a little later. But we wanted to talk about some stuff before we got into uh, regular best games played, because there's some games that we all felt pretty passionately about, or mm-hmm. unpassionately about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that we wanted to discuss, uh, that we felt there, there were things left unsaid. Um, stuff that took a while to finish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not negative things, just there's some things. Th- just, there's things. There's things. So, Dylan. So, Alex. You finally finished God of War 2018. I finally finished what my uh, verbal dyslexia keeps having me called Wad of Gore. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, that would be a great Doom map. Wad of Gore? Yeah. yeah. Is there like a is there a beholder in the center of it? Or is the map know. like shaped like a beholder? That's a good question. Ed, please don't steal these ideas. <laughs> he but needs them Doom to make money. Level maps were saved as dot wads. Dot wa- really? Yeah, they're yeah. called wads. Ooh. So you can make wad of gore. W- gore dot wad. Sure. Uh, but yeah, but it's W A D. Yes. Yeah. Dot W A D. Cool. Um, it's just a text file. Could I just rename it to dot txt and it'll? I think it's just like a zip or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It's hmm. a good question. Hmm. It stands for something funny, but I can't remember. Because that was that was a big thing with some games where it's like we have the proprietary like audio format so you can't pirate the music and it's literally <laughs> they just you rename it to an mp3 and yeah <laughs> gotcha windows media right. player reads it fine we got we got you're right oh i didn't start timer. let me start a timer uh we're gonna we're gonna try and make this one short um to make time for best games played yes so alex you and i played god of war this year we did um we'll we finally not, get to so none of it. his opinions matter <laughs> <laughs> um what'd you think of it so yeah, I mean, and 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 we'll probably talk spoilers. We will because I want to talk story. Yes, we'll. it stands for "Where's all the data?" Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. So or, anyway. where's all the data? Al <laughs> 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 <Al> Gore, <laughs> where's all the data? Um, but yeah, will if you have any concerns about hearing story spoilers, speak I now. Mean, I was looking forward to this game, but now. Here we go. But now I'll hate it forever. <laughs> Spoilers actually make you like things more scientifically proven. Really? Yeah. Huh. So. W- Will's a spoiler scientist. All right. Uh, so I, I've mentioned this. It's actually at the top of my game of the year list. Mm-hmm. I think I've put it squarely at number one just because it's so rare for, I think, a AAA game to leave me with just as much of an impression as it did. And I, I got to say... It's a game that, like, broken down into chunks would not work. But it's the unification of those chunks. It's how it creates something better than the sum of its parts. 
uh, that really got me. I mean, it's a and, and a great story. Like on top of it, that sort of slowly clicks together as you go along. Everything's alluded to. There's like so much Chekhov's gun like throughout the entire uh, of of the uh, of the playthrough. Can, can you specify what you mean by that? Because I didn't get really get that impression. I okay. don't think you're wrong, but like I never. I never thought they were these kind of disparate bespoke wheels that or gears that click together finally. I just thought I mean my big hang up was like the UI and stuff because I felt like I was understanding the combat, but I I don't know. What do you mean by like kind of coming together? A it's stuff that um and they kind of allude to it at the very beginning uh because what? The game the the opening scene of the game is you chopping down this tree. Right, and it's a which, tree marked with a golden handprint. It's clearly important. It's special. Kratos offhand mentions to Atreus, I think, at some point about how like she chose this tree. I don't know why. Well, so and then that's like the reason. You know, you've been living under this magical barrier the whole time, right. keeping you and your family protected up until like you you get out of that area after you get attacked because you do the funeral pyre for the wife. The god finds you. You, you don't kill him, but you like get away. You grab the kid and like we gotta go. We're in danger for some reason. And then you climb the mountain and see like an overview. You know, you get to look at your entire plot of land and realize like, oh shit, the barrier's down. And then later it was revealed like, oh, she wanted you to chop down that tree right. to like get the story going. Yeah, to like, like the very end. Good yeah. prank. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got him. <laughs> the yes, I thought that was interesting. I don't. I don't think it was made very clear at first, but yeah, the idea that she wanted Kratos to unintentionally like destroy the magical barrier that was protecting them from the wrath of the gods right. or the, the knowledge that they were there. There's bits where I think the story falls through, but I think overall it continuously creates a really good chain of events that make the gameplay flow like into story, into gameplay, into story, into gameplay very smoothly. Mm-hmm. And that much was very enjoyable. Like, I didn't hate stopping the fun for the more story because it was, like, coming at you in such a fluid way. Well, with games like this, especially, like, I almost... The gameplay is just an excuse to get to the story. Mm. Especially from where I was coming from at the beginning where I didn't understand the combat loop very well. And I was mostly just chucking my axe at things. Because, like, okay, well, I have this kind of weak, strong attack, and I have this weak, light attack, and I can fight fisticuffs, but it it felt very repetitive, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I understood the runic abilities later on that combat was more enjoyable. Because combat was very much not enjoyable to me. Even when, like, going all the way through Alfheim and then fighting the, the boss at the end of Alfheim, I thought was, A, underwhelming and B, a slog. Mm. But once I came back to it months later and was like, all right, well, let me let me try to understand this more and read their very clunky, unintuitive, cluttered UI mm. where it's just there's stuff everywhere and there's prompts everywhere and all the fonts super tiny and hard to read. Oh, that's a problem, yeah. Yeah. So I felt like I, I, I love the game, mm-hmm. I think, but I love the game because of its story. Um and I don't think the gameplay is a detriment to it, but I do think the RPG mechanics seem to be kind of unnecessary. Like the open worldness of yeah. it seems, 
And it, I mean, it's not a huge open world. It's not an open world the way a Bethesda game is an open world. It's an open. It's like there's lots of things to do. There's a through line with some like spokes coming off of it that you can right. do. There's like optional like Odin antechambers or stuff to like get treasure and dragons to fight. And I was initially sort of against that. I kept thinking, like, you know, I'm on borrowed time. I was borrowing it from you. I, I want to get through this and make sure you can have it back because I was really enjoying it and I wanted you to be able to really enjoy it. And so I didn't do that many side quests. I didn't either. And then I actually walked into, like, one of the Odin optional, like, treasure crypts or whatever mm-hmm. and backed out because I was like, I don't want to do this because I have a story to finish. Mm-hmm. I ended up doing, like, one... And then almost immediately was like, ah, shit, I feel like I need to buy this game when I'm done now because they tie it into the main story in such a cute and clever way. Like all the dialogue is written so that, you know, it relates to the journey. There's almost like no ludonarrative dissonance because, you know, you've got this overarching goal and you're heading towards it. And then so you're wondering, like, well, why are they stopping to do this silly side quest? And like the entire time Kratos is like, you know, why are we here? This isn't. Or, no, he doesn't say it like that. Like, Atreus asks, you know, like, why are we here? Don't we want to get, you know, stuff done? And he's like, you know, well, maybe there's something we can find to help us. Right. Like and, the dwarves that and give And at you- the end, like, all, so far, so I ended up doing, like, two or three other side quests after that one. Because at the end of it, there was, like, a story lesson that ended up happening. Yeah. Another small cutscene that ended up tying itself back into the main thread. Like, the dwarves almost always pitch the side quests they give you as, like, this is going to give you an item that's going to help you. Right. And there's just so much care in that yeah. and how they set those up. Yeah. And it was just, like, I, I feel like it was a game with a whole lot more love than I see from a lot of AAA lately. Um, a whole lot more care that goes into how all of these things mesh and weave together. What makes a game as interesting as possible and as well put together as it can be. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I love about it. That's what I think puts it above a lot of other games this year. For me, what makes this game so appealing is, like I said, the narrative. But there are specific things that just ring, just they strike so well in this game. And Will and I were kind of talking a couple weeks ago about it, about how like, so the original God of War trilogy is kind of, it can be very unappealing, right? Yeah, because it's like I, mean, like I don't give a shit about the original God of Wars. Overly sexual, yeah, overly gratuitous, and just like I, I know I looked at it and immediately like all of the original God of Wars and went, "That's not for me." But I will literally tell you that if you strip like the gratuitousness out of God of War three, it's this game. It's hmm. this exact same game, narrative wise. Like that, not like a rehash or like a, a repeat, but it's it the same amount of care is in God of War three. That there's in this new God of War. No kidding. Well, that like remastered was a free game. Yes, it was month. free on PS Plus. So, hmm. and 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 so I'll kind of tie those two things together because there's a lot of narrative tissue between God of War three and the new one. And so in God of War three, it's basically about Kratos finds out that he is spoilers for God of War three. He is the son of uh, Zeus. And he's basically going to kill the rest of the Greek pantheon. Mm-hmm. And so God of War 3 is basically about him just going through and finishing off every single Greek god that he hasn't killed. That's Hades, Athena, Zeus, uh, Poseidon, just all of them. 
Uh, he kills Hercules too. At one point, he kills Helios, and Helios is, I believe, Apollo's son. Yeah. And when he kills Helios, he rips his head off, and then Helios's head is then used as a lantern for the rest of the game. So in the new God of War, we're going to use the Bifrost as a lantern. In three, you're using Helios's head. So what's interesting there is that they know very well, they know what they've done in the past, and they make great references to it. So like when you decapitate Mimir mm-hmm. and have Mimir with you, that is a direct reference to decapitating Helios that is and having Helios with you the entire time. Except yeah. in three, where they make Helios just a item that you use, and he doesn't because he's dead. It's right. literally, a, they don't reanimate his head like to do with Mimir. Right. Mimir is a companion. So it's almost like this mechanical uh evolution or maturation of like in three we're just murdering dudes and we're just using them and then that's all they are to me but in the new god of war he decapitates mimir because mimir asked him to and for reference for will mimir is basically like the norse version of prometheus okay where mimir is the god of knowledge and wisdom and he was given sight by the giants so he can see he can see all things kind of like heimdall and he can like basically he has encyclopedic knowledge of all things Mm. he pisses odin off for some reason i forget why so odin traps him within a tree um that's at the top of the mountain that you think your dead wife so your dead wife wants you to spread her ashes on the highest mountain in the lands and so you climb the top of this mountain and think this is the mountain she means and mimir's like no there's a taller mountain in the realm of the giants jotunheim and it's the tallest mountain in all the realms and that's actually where you want to go but the thing is we can't get to the realm of the giants because the basically the gateway to get to Jotunheim has been closed off for what centuries or something. I forget what the span of time is. And so, and that builds a narrative about how Odin is this, uh, cruel god this torturous god and he just wants power and knowledge and he wants to keep it he destroys any threats to his his rule which is relatively accurate to norse mythology as i read yeah and then there's tyr who was a norse god of war who has since left the world um and he was a benevolent god he was a kind god which is ironic Uh, for being a god of war right but mimir explains how tyr believe the knowledge of war can be used for peace and how he shared his knowledge with other civilizations. And so it shows him, there's like tapestries of him going to the Egyptian gods and uh, sharing their knowledge, the Greek gods. Japanese, even like Central American. So there's plenty of content to be (laughs) be (laughs) harvested from this concept if they want to. But um, it creates this dichotomy, not just between Tyr and Odin, but also Tyr and Kratos. Right. Where Kratos was a cruel god and he is trying to, find some sort of redemption in raising Atreus. But so, so Kratos's journey through this game is basically just him trying to come to terms with what he did at the end of God of War three, because in doing so in killing all of the gods, all the gods were basically tied to parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So like when he kills Poseidon, the oceans start churning and raging when he kills uh, Artemis, I think it's Artemis. Maybe it's a different. I think it's Artemis, or maybe it's Gaia. Um, the Earth starts to die and wither, and the plant life is starts fading away. And then when he kills Zeus, he like looks upon the dead land and the world and everything. He's basically just on this little island, this plateau that's in the sea, and it's just everything around him is raging. And like, and that's how the game ends. And it's like a a, a comment on like 
endless rage and like un unsustainable rage about like how when when is enough enough and, and right. Kratos comes into the new god of war basically having internalized all of that and a little wiser a little, little wiser yeah. I mean he's also he can still be pretty mean like he never calls Mimir by his name he just says head mm-hmm. he says head explain this uh, whereas Atreus is very kind it's like hey Mimir it's like let's talk yeah um, and they have I love that 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 there's trio such a, there's such a great like parallel between all of them and how right. they interact with each other yeah but i think there's so many strong through lines between like where kratos was at the end of god of war and what that game communicates through its themes of like revenge and what this game communicates through its themes of redemption right and like did kratos learn his lesson who knows but that's what i really liked about both those games so mm-hmm. i wish people would go back to god of war 3 and try to and re-examine it because i really do believe there's a lot there to be learned and it's doing a lot of intelligent stuff it's just saddled by the gratuitousness of that right franchise is it as gratuitous as the first two no i don't think so but i i might be misremembering i mean when you when you decapitate mimir the the camera pans down and you don't see it and then kratos takes his axe and and chops his head off there's still like some violence throughout right like some pretty like like especially the valkyries i think were fights that that really paired it up more than others as well but in god of war 3 they just stay on the camera and kratos is using his hands to rip helios's head off he just grabs like his right jaw or something and just you just see the the sinew and Ugh. the skin just tear apart Woo. until it gives way um so there's there's that stuff in yeah. in three. I don't uh, sexual gratuitousness. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have been more too. I, I don't know. But that that's how I feel about these games. I feel like God, the new God of War, is basically finally coming into its own of what God of War always should have been, as opposed to what it was at one point. And maybe mm-hmm. the change came when Corey uh, Barlog became creative director mm-hmm. because he was a lead designer on three. I'm pretty sure. I forget who. Was it the Twisted Metal guy? Was it David Jaffe that Dude, I have no idea. did God of War 1 and 2? I can't remember. But Corey Barlog right. has been there for at least three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is him communicating what he wants this this game to be. Right. How they can take the story into better places. Right. So I did... I, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I did want to say I felt like the combat was really strong. And especially because... I don't know. It, it sort of exemplifies what I think makes great video game combat and that it eventually gets me to play reactively and on my feet and feel like I'm actually engaged with it. And like, I think my one complaint to you is I felt certain abilities felt like they should have been unlocked from the outset because they were very key to sort of chaining combos and feeling like you were capable of handling a wider number of enemies at, at once, which they throw at you pretty early on. And then there's some abilities that I feel like once you unlock, I wish I could turn off. Um, like what? I can't think of an example right now, but I know there was one that kept like activating when I didn't want it to. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember anything rememberable from the skill trees. It was mostly the runic attacks that brought the variety to the combat for me. Which So I enjoyed the combat. I mean, there are still some low points, like when you're fighting through tiers... No, when you're fighting through the under part of the Yggdrasil, mm-hmm. whatever it is, the portal room. Right. When you're fighting Tears through the, vault. Yeah. When you're fighting through the under part of there and mm-hmm. you're going back through all the traps. Yeah. And more Draugr show up. I'm like, this isn't fun. 
And there's like oh, the I big love sp- that. spitting flame trap. I mean, it was fine. It's just. It was, was such a great way to get you to like think about the space, not as like a trap just for you, but a trap for them. So I kept like trying to like right, toss yeah. them into it, and it was like, ah, oh, this is such a cool way to explain that or play through it again. There's some interesting crowd control there, but I feel like mm-hmm. I don't know. The most interesting fights were the one with the dragon, like the main story dragon. Yeah, and then the first fight with Balder. I didn't realize until after I get like a week after I gave it back to you. There's like four other dragons in this game yeah, that you can one. find, and I was like, "What the hell?" So I there's go- <laughs> so one of the dwarves gives you a, a side quest going into this storeroom. You remember that? Yeah, and I didn't complete that entire arc. So that dwarf storeroom, not the dwarf that gives you a quest, but this other dwarf that they reference whose storeroom that you're going into got turned into one of the dragons. Oh. So I just stumbled into this area, and it's really weird. The level design reminds me a lot of Fable, actually. Sure. It's a lot of like very, it's like low lands, but like we're going to section off this area with like impassable cliff sides, and so like that's us lampshading like the the level layout. But you just literally like you open up this door that's on like the shore of the lake, and you close it, and it's just like basically a fjord with a dragon like chained to the cliffside and you have to just like fight through all these enemies and destroy these runes that are basically keeping it trapped there and mm. then you free it um and that fight kind of sucked because i think i was under level for it because you clear all the runes and then they spawn in all these draugr and the draugr are super strong and i do think the leveling was a weak thing. again i think the yeah. rpg mechanics don't need to be there because if if you're gonna put rpg mechanics in there i should be max level by the end of the story yeah, or at least close to it. I should feel like I have I have seen the entirety of your level progression just by playing the main quest line. I mean, I got some consistent upgrades and felt like I was definitely adequately powerful, if not more, by the end. But there were like side mission things that were still like miles ahead of me that I couldn't even touch. Right. Like there was there was like one of those floating like the portals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you reach into and, and it, you pull out a bunch of enemies that are all way too strong for yeah, you I was every like, time. Why the fuck did you put this like on the main quest line? Yeah. And all these people are like I don't know, like ten <laughs> well, levels over me. They're not actually on the main quest line. They're just in the level that you're on the main quest line for and it's just like right there, like tempting you. Potato potato. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying they weren't they were all all of it's completely optional, but it all was like a, a bit of a pain in the ass. Despite all that I still think it's a great game. I yeah. just like the 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 gap between it being an amazing game and it being a perfect game is that or those RPG mechanics to me. Yes, to me. I, I I think you're right. I don't think I disagree with that. Um, so I would either like to see either them justify that more in the sequel because mm-hmm. there's going to be a sequel, or rip all that stuff out. Right. So. Let's talk about the ending real quick. Okay. Just like just like a couple. The ending's amazing. A couple notes the here. The actual endings, the, the, the first ending. The first ending is amazing. Incredible. And I'm talking like not just like the ending cutscene, but also the the they, balder fight up until and that they point. they do the thing I love where you're walking around and they put the credits on the screen while you're walking around and it feels amazing. I love this shit. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that shit. So I just wanted to, I made a tweet. I don't know if you saw this, but like I had a key plot point of what was going to happen in God of War spoiled just by the fact that like Mickey and I were watching some cool YouTube videos on like mythologies and, and she had a video on Norse and we watched it and it like completely like told me exactly what was going to happen just through context and like ah damn it um so that bit where uh so there's there's a there's a point in the story after you beat the first dragon one of the dwarves gives uh your son mistletoe arrows 
and it's a I guess like a damage. Which I didn't know they were mistletoe. Like he might have muttered it. No, he said that. Yeah, I know, but I, I didn't pick up on it. Oh, okay, right. Um, he gives you mistletoe arrows, and then you go, and then later on in the story, you go back to the witch's house, and the witch Freya sees the mistletoe in your quiver and gets very upset. And she's like, what the hell are you doing with those? And like takes them and throws them away. Unbeknownst to her, uh, at a chapter in between that point, um, Atreus's quiver strap breaks and Kratos snaps one of the twigs and uses it as a splint to hold it together. Yeah, so, so there's he a little bit of mistletoe one. tied in there. Right, he still has like an arrowhead of mistletoe. Um, later on in the Balder fight, Balder, his whole thing as a demigod is that he's immune to everything. Yeah. Nothing, nothing on earth can kill him. Right. So Freya, so Freya and Odin were once married, and that's her son. Odin being uh, one of the Aesir, mm-hmm. which is one type of god. Freya being kind of the leader of the Vanir, mm-hmm. which is the other type of gods. And this is like super. This is J.R.R. Tolkien cribbed all this for Lord of the Rings. So it's like if you read Lord of the Ring mythology, is like this. This is like the part that's cribbed from Norse, right? Um, and this is actually fairly accurate to all Norse mythology, from what right. I understand. So the the Aesir and the Vanir were at war with one another, and so they brokered this peace through their marriage, and then they right. had a son, which was Balder, and then Odin also had Thor and some other children as well from yeah. I guess another another marriage. I, I think Thor was no Thor wasn't through Freya. Right, that's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. And so, but Freya loved her son so much that, and so the they valued the Aesir wanted the Vanir's magic because the Vanir are very good with like naturalistic magic. Right. Freya loved Balder so much that she used Vanir magic to basically make him immortal and invincible, so he can't be killed and he can't feel anything. So there's this cut scene. There's this flashback cut scene that happens in Helheim where Balder wrecked relives when freya casts a spell and he can't feel he can't taste he can't there's no sensation with him anymore right helicopter parent yeah yeah basically (laughs) totally yeah and you know and i should also stress there are no like real cutscenes, i guess quote unquote in this game this is all told like helheim uh you see ghosts of your past to torture you in helheim and norse hell so it's like him experiencing this moment of his life over and over again and you happen to walk past him as he's experiencing it which I thought was a really cool yeah, moment. Yeah, you're like sneaking past him and he's reliving mm-hmm. this this yeah. experience. The, the worst moment of his life where, well, worst moment of his life because according to him, he didn't kill his mother then and there, which he's right. still, which is like his other goal throughout the whole game is he wants his mom dead for doing that to him. And like the entire time that he's reliving this torturous moment of his past, like he's telling his past self, like, kill her, get her. You, yeah, yeah. He's like totally consumed with rage, paralleling Kratos's old life right his hatred of zeus right um so anyway during that fight he punches atreus and the the mistletoe arrowhead still in his quiver strap pierces his hand and breaks the spell yeah and suddenly he can feel everything he's alive he's happy and the first thing he wants to do is keep fighting you (laughs) right and he's like enjoying being put through all this pain because he can finally have some sort of sensation in his life right that the arc of that fight is so good Mm -hmm. because freya freaks out when you break the spell because she doesn't want her son being killed because this is the first time freya and Baldur see each other in forever right um and so kratos intervenes to stop Baldur from hurting freya um Baldur punches atreus breaking the spell and then they ha- and then you have a real fight where 
the entire time Freya is trying to intervene and keep you guys from fighting because he knows you're going to kill him. And the way she intervenes <laughs> is that she resurrects a giant, a dead giant and basically uh-huh. tries to get the giant. And so the giant's like hovering over you trying to like put down barriers and stuff to prevent you two from fighting. So in the midst of you trying to stop Balder, you then have Freya on the sidelines constantly kind of intercepting your attacks. And it's pretty interesting. And she's constantly freaking out. And then you defeat quote unquote Balder. Basically you take his health down all the way. And so he's like kind of exhausted and Freya kind of steps in and says, if you kill me, will that be enough? Will that be enough for you to stop? Will that stop all this? Because Kratos is not stopping because Balder's not stopping. Right. And so Freya is trying to find a way to save her son and get him to stop fighting Kratos. So Baldur's like, yeah, that'll be enough, basically. And then goes up and starts strangling Freya. And there's just this great moment where you're just watching him like strangle the life out of his mother. And then Kratos is like, no, that's enough. And just like grabs him. Yeah. And just headlocks him. And he's like, no, this ends here and then just snaps his neck specifically he says to him before he dies and this is not just to balder but like to him and his son we must be better right yeah we have to be better gods than there than there have been right and so balder's also the first fight you have in that game and this is when he's still invincible and he comes up and it's the stranger and it's like who's this weird dude with like a ponytail and all these tattoos and you have this very well choreographed fight like amazingly shot where he's like picking you up and just throwing you and you're like carving like holes into your house and then like he picks a part of a mountain and throws it at you and then you pick it up and like split it apart and you're like causing fissures in the ground and you're like string you're like struggling on the ground with one another and, you- and Kratos is holding him and then he snaps his neck and then like throws him into the ravine and then Balder comes back because like he can't be killed right and and this one is a mirror of that so he like breaks his neck and then you just hear him say no and then like camera holds on balder as he like slumps to the ground and you see the blood like flush into his eyes as his capillaries break and it's just like it's kind of like that scene in game of thrones with joffrey like the same sign of like mm-hmm. setup there um spoilers for game of thrones i guess but <laughs> the, if you ever watch game of thrones what are you doing but it's this just great thing where it's like it's where in old god of war it would have been like, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. And this, it's like, we're, we're going to have you linger on the death of this person. Right. Meaningful but it, and sad. Right. And, and, and like Freya's breaking down. Right. Like she's freaking out and then she's like swearing the whole time. on you. Yeah. Whereas she's been your ally this entire game. Like right. You've been like, had this great kinship and everything. And she suddenly she curses you to an eternity of torture. Like as long as she lives, you'll never know rest. And like she, it, it flips 180 so good very good yeah um, um i was actually very interested about this game because like i didn't know the length of it so i didn't know, like okay are we are we gonna fight thor are we gonna who are we killing in this game who's right. who's who are the gods that are dying in this game right and it's very similar to the very first god of war where it's like no you're only killing Ares. like mm-hmm. there's one god to die um and in this case it's balder right and i guess thor's nephew's I forget. No, sons? it's his sons. It's his his sons. sons. Okay. That's Mag- a great fight, too. Magni and Midi? Magni and Modi. Modi. Yeah. Yeah. I know Magni because Magni is the dwarf king in World of Warcraft. And I was like, that's <laughs> where they stole it from. Um, uh, yeah. World of Warcraft, not Norse yeah. mythology. <laughs> so, but by killing... I, I, I want to... So, okay, really quick. We'll go into like the regular ending, which was after that point, you finally get to go to the mountain yeah, top you to in Jotunheim. Jotunheim. You learn that your son has been Loki this whole time. Right. 
um, the white. What? So you're yeah. so his mother was half giant. So like there are no giants left. So like there's a big reverence for giants in this game because, because the right. giants have that sight. They have the whole have future the vision and everything. And, and like, like the, the mother knew this was all going to happen. Right. Then they can gift the sight to select humans. So Tyr had the uh. sight, and then Mimir had the sight. Um, and only people with the sight can open up Jotunheim. So Mimir helps you with that. And so you you go up to the mountain and you so you're climbing this giant staircase and it goes into like kind of this like uh, I don't know ceremonial room mm-hmm. and it's kind of dilapidated because the giants have left there they've left this world no one knows where they are also Kratos up until this point has not let Atreus hold his mom's ashes the entire yes. time and He's like, very defensive right, about it right at this point is like when he gets a little more vulnerable opens up lets his son carry the ashes. It's also, I wanted to point out a moment during the fight where Atreus calls on the world serpent and it's like the first time in the game that Kratos compliments him because mm-hmm. like right as he does it, he yeah. goes like, well done, boy. And like, because yeah. <laughs> no one can speak. So the world serpent is also a type of giant, but no one can speak his language uh-huh. except for Mimir because Mimir has infinite knowledge. Um, and then Atreus, we're finding out when he finds out that he is a god, which I, that arc I kind of didn't like, but when he finds out he's a god, he's trying to figure out like what is he the god of, and right. then like part of Atreus's whole shtick is that he can read all these languages and he can pick them up real quick. And they're discovering like, hey, maybe your 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 godliness is your gift of knowledge or of of language. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Atreus calls upon the world serpent using basically the dialect that he watched Mimir use, which is a very interesting thing because he's like, Oh, let me try this. And he's like, I'm taking a shot in the dark, but Hey, I can speak. I can speak the giant apparently. But there's, I'm just saying there's like a great slow buildup of like Kratos finally opening up and like complimenting his son and like them actually working together in fights better. Like going from this bit where like Kratos is like, you're weak, you're nothing. I'm just going to carry you this whole way. Um, and to like, you're strong and I'm proud of you yeah. up at the very end. Just beautiful. You can tell the emotional moments when Kratos switches from calling him boy to calling him Atreus. Right. But so, yeah, so you go up to the ceremonial chamber and there's all of these frescoes and tapestries on the walls and they're basically telling you everything you've done so far in the game. Right. So like someone the, had this planned out. It's been prophesized. Right. And so he's like looking at all Atreus is looking at all the stuff and you see the tapestry of like you the funeral pyre and then you meeting the world serpent and you fighting Balder and Freya, you know, cursing your name. And Atreus is like, oh, OK, well, like, let's let's go to the to the peak over there, like because there's like a little causeway that takes you out into like the cliffside, which is the highest point. And Kratos like looks back. And there's like a fallen like banister or, or cloth that's like covering part of the the prophesized tapestry. And he like looks underneath it and there's just it's him dead with Kratos or yeah, yeah. with Kratos dead and then one of the Norse gods like standing by the side and then Atreus like holding his dead body and Kratos is like, Yeah, let's yeah, let's finish this. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck man, if they're gonna do that, this game, this is the best game ever. And I mean like I should have known better that they weren't gonna table there we get a really nice we get a really nice sappy scene it's it's beautiful it's glorious the music's swelling uh they're scattering her mom's ashes they're both taking turns like dipping their hand in the bag and just pouring it out uh pouring one out 
for all. Uh, <laughs> this and, one's uh, for you. Right. They don't smear her ashes across their face. No, no. it doesn't fuse with his skin <laughs> like it did in one. It doesn't blow back into their faces like in <laughs> <laughs> Big Lebowski style. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the bit where they walk away and the credits are rolling like while you're walking out. Right. And I was still waiting for Kratos to die. I was like, do it. Right. Pull the trigger. <laughs> and and you leave and the game sort of treats that as the ending. You and get this you get this pop up. up that's like you're now free to explore the world as you want. Right. Um but if you I they don't really hint to this, but I just thought, you know, I don't know, let's go see what happens if like I go back to my house and then I told you like this is what you got to do apparently. If you travel all the way back to your home and you enter the door, it starts a cutscene where you wander in and they're both like, man, that was a long journey. We're so tired. And they get into bed and it fades to black. And then it goes like several years later. It says years later. It says years later. And then like they wake up to a huge storm outside and Kratos and Atreus are like, what's going on? I don't know. It's crazy. And then like they pick up their weapons and like bust the door open and the camera pans out from the door. You don't see his face. You see behind the back, this, cloaked figure right and kratos is like who are you like right as his cloak flashes open and you see a huge hammer on right. his belt like and then it cuts like and gunslinger it's style like right. <laughs> like yeah. draw yeah and then real credits like actual like yeah, black like screen white scrolling, scrolling credits for hour and or it so undercut credits. the game so much <laughs> yeah it was such an upset where it's like we know we know who's going to show up right at some point in one of these games we got it like they spent the entire game stressing like how much you're pissing thor off killing his kids killing his best friend and then like mimir says at least a dozen times like thor's not gonna like you thor's gonna have your head thor thor's gonna come for you in a heartbeat and then he's here and we don't get to do anything about it until next game and and not even next game like there's going to be a significant time jump supposedly and also yeah, on the, top of that they don't change atreus's model at all like the kids yeah. like 11 and several years is a big difference in yeah. puberty like <laughs> and so and so the credits roll and then they comes back and you wake back up and atreus is something like that was a, i had a weird dream yeah like, and i had a weird like, dream thor showed up like he literally <laughs> says thor showed up to our front door <laughs> like, i'm like god damn it like it would have yeah. been and i told alex this like the that would that scene would have been marginally better if they just cut out the time card, the years later. Yeah, if it was just a flash and cut. And I completely agree. Like that was my first thought yeah. too. As soon as that was over, yeah. like because oh, all right, then yeah. it's like, oh shit, Thor's showing up now. Mm-hmm. Right. But the time card makes it like okay, something's Nobody gonna has happen. Dreams that start with years later. Right. <laughs> so it that's all. I mean that that's kind of where I left it. It's just like I still am beyond excited for the continuation of this game. Who? How do we know that uh, the kid's Loki though? So so he, when he's reading like the prophesized tapestry, he's like, they have a weird name for me in in giant, and mm. they called me Loki. Yeah, yeah, which and, adds up to North mythology because Loki was part giant. And mm-hmm. Kratos says that's what your mom wanted to name you, but I came up with atreus because and i get maybe this is in the other games i've never played the other games metal. well atreus in greek mythology is the um he's the father of um the guy that started the trojan war what was his name interesting well kratos they have that story about how atreus was a warrior i i trained yes with. he had yeah. a and yeah. i don't know if that was in the other games or not but that's where he said he got the name for him yeah atreus was the father of agamemnon okay oh dope yeah 
And Agamemnon was like this famous warlord in the Iliad and the, the Odyssey and right. the Trojan War. So, but yeah. Played by Brian Cox in the famous movie Troy, <laughs> starring one Brad Pitt. So, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think outside of like a few a few flaws, it still is like probably one of the best games I've played this year. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I do want to talk about... So, it, Kratos makes a big deal about not telling Atreus he's a god. And finally, when they reveal it, because basically Atreus makes himself sick, right? Mm-hmm. Because they make this thing of... Oh, if a god thinks they're mortal, like it shows up, it it, it mater- manifests. It manifests as right. like illnesses. So he finally comes to after Atreus almost dies, and Freya helps him like revive him. Kratos kind of cops to the fact that he's a god, and Atreus's personality shifts temporarily in such a skewed way where he's like, "I'm a god and, now," and it's not. No one, I don't have to listen to nobody, <laughs> and it's not immediately either. But it is rather sudden still. Like it's right. it's not like immediately after you tell him. It takes like a couple chapters, but then it still is. It takes is... like a couple scenes. Like it's like Right, okay, fair like enough. Ten but... like fifteen, twenty minutes. And then he's like and so like one of the big things in the game is that you tell him to shoot certain things. And like before this point he's like, Got it and what and he literally says, Whatever when you during this moment where he realizes he's a guy, he like and just then, Okay, this is freaking brilliant. There's a bit where it gets to a peak where you're telling him to do stuff and he won't not for puzzles, but like while you're in combat and then like, he'll just start killing. There was a bit where he climbed on someone's back and just started shanking the hell out of him. And I like ran forward to help. And then like, by the time I got there, he had already killed him and like had gotten off and was just like, no biggie. And then it was such a great moment of like connecting, like how a player can feel with, with what's actually happening. I just really didn't like the sudden shift. If it was it more was a, gradual, yes. it would have been more appreciated, but he just goes from like happy-go-lucky, like, boy, gee, Willikers, dad, I'm sure enjoying this adventure, to like punk-ass kid, whatever, man. And it's also <laughs> I don't need to listen to you and your rules. And it's also weird that they allude to it, like, to him being possessed, because there's that bit where he sees himself in Helheim, because he's the one who kills Modi. Yeah. Um, after after the boss fight between Magni and Modi, you kill Magni, and Modi gets really upset because that's his brother. They've lived their entire lives together, and Modi shows up later after Atreus is is going through his whole goth phase, um, and like looking much worse for wear. Basically explaining that Thor beat us because we couldn't kill you. Like Thor smacked us around for failing at our mission, yeah. and like, like this is all your and fault. And Atreus walks up to him. And like Kratos is like trying to tell him, stop, don't do this. This is bad. I would know from experience. He doesn't say that exactly, but that's sort of, you know, the right. undertone. And uh Kratos uh Atreus doesn't listen, walks forward, stabs Modi in the neck and like kicks him off the ledge. Yeah. And and that's when like Kratos like grabs him and is like, You're being an idiot. Uh so later on in Helheim, Atreus sees that scene, his torment happening in front of him. But Atreus says something like, that wasn't me. Like, right, which they never... They never go back to. They never touch on again. So maybe it's something coming right. in the next game. Yeah, so maybe it's foreshort- foreshortening. Maybe it's foreshadowing, <laughs> or maybe it's... Or maybe it was just something that crossed in the wires when they were writing. Yeah, maybe yeah. just that that arc was like just poorly plotted, and they missed some stuff or something. Yeah, they recorded all the dialogue for it, but we're like, fuck, what do we do with this now? No, <laughs> Send them to hell. Throw them in another... Some... Yeah. Uh... So anyway, um, yeah, that that's an important thing to talk about. Yeah, it's a uh, good game. It's a great game. 
I'm really glad I finished it because I was really stressing that I was going to miss out on something really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, I did want to very briefly touch on, I thought this was funny. So the video that we watched that explained, like ran through Norse mythology in a nutshell, talked about the Freya Balder situation. And I just thought it was interesting that apparently in original Norse mythology, how it works was she went to every living thing on the planet and basically asked it kindly to not hurt her son. <laughs> like that's Aww. that's how it worked. <laughs> but, hey man, hey rabbit, I need a favor. <laughs> so yeah, like that that's in the original Norse fable, that's that's what happened, but she couldn't find mistletoe. Mistletoe was hiding or ah. something. Yeah. Uh ah. <laughs> is mistletoe not the bird droppings? No, mistletoe is no. the 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 Plant. thing you hold it over your head to yeah, that's kiss bird droppings. Someone. No, it's not it's a berry. It's a, yeah. yeah, but it's like look it up. That's there's poop in there. Oh yeah, just yeah. like how there are wasps and figs. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, when you when figs are grown, wasps burrow into it to lay their eggs, uh-huh. and then sometimes either the, the the mother or the hatched wasps can't escape, so they'll be like basically fused into the figs. That's great. I got some dried figs. I bought some yesterday. You guys want some figs? No, I'm okay. I'm I love good. figs. <laughs> I I don't like mission figs. Mission figs are gross, but Turkish figs. Know what the fuck you're talking about, dude? You right. need to learn up on some figs. I, I remember when I was a kid and I found out that fig newtons weren't chocolate, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" Fig newtons are like the breading in fig newtons makes them worse. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. like poor man's figs. I really don't like fig newtons, yeah. despite the fact that I ate a lot of them as a child. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I had a lot of fig newtons as a kid. All right, we're almost up on time. Jesus. We have a minute I kinda, 30 left. I kind of knew this was happening. Um, <laughs> but we, we, let's see what else we have on this list here. Uh, uh, Thumper. Any more Thumper news, Will? Oh, man, it's really good. It adds some things th- at a nice pace that makes the rhythm aspect more enjoyable. Awesome. Alex, yeah. what's your 30-second impressions on Spider-Man? I think the the swinging makes the entire game worse. Wow. What? Hang on. Wow. Hang on. Okay. Not by being bad, but by being so good that doing anything else feels like a chore. Uh, I disagree. I, <laughs> more on that later. I <laughs> Will, what's your impression on Kingdom Death Monster? Because you, me, and Alex played uh, it's, some of it. It's real good. It's real fun. Um, the, the the mechanics are like pretty easy to internalize, I felt. Uh, and they make for a real interesting... Uh, Alex was right when he said that it creates stories, and I didn't think it would be able to with mechanics, but it does. It achieves what D and D tries to do, but like D and D falls short of just like having too many variables that can ruin it, right? And I think Monster understands how to capture that essence while still keeping it streamlined. Yeah, I think in D and D, when you're just like you're you're making a story as you go along, but when it comes to the combat, you stop making the story. To a degree, I mean, you're still like being like, I ah, jump on its back and blah, blah, blah. But like, then it just comes to rolling and doing the things, and you're just like, okay, the combat, combat, combat. And then when you're done with the combat, it's where like the real meat of the storytelling happens, I feel like. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess it all depends on your DM, but who knows? I mean, yeah, that's why I say by variables, just like player and DM factor so heavily into that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's time, but I also want to say, I think King Death Monster made me realize that maybe I just don't like tabletop games. <laughs> I usually fair. hate tabletop games, which is why I think it's important that I stress that I enjoyed it. Um, I also played some Monster Hunter World. 
and some Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate. <laughs> They're both still Monster Hunter games, so don't kid yourselves, folks. They're still <laughs> the same Monster Hunters that you know and hate. Oh, they for sure are. Um, <laughs> but that's all we have for this episode. Now we're going to go record some best games played and kill each other over how Oof. we feel about part-time UFO. Oh, also, play some more part-time UFO. Still can't get into it, but it's a beautiful, lovingly crafted game with amazing <laughs> music. How far did you get? Wendy played through like half the game for me, so like my <laughs> just my regression's so, so yeah. screwed. Um, but yeah, that's all we have for right now. Uh, Will, where can people find you? X zero one zero one zero one 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 at Twitter dot org. Alex, where can people find you? G h o d a n underscore on Twitter. Also at Brander Games. And you can find me at Dylan Alvento. You can also find this podcast and all of our other podcasts at ward hyphen games dot com forward slash podcast. Or on Twitter at Ward Video Games. Give us a review. Share it around with your pals. We appreciate it very much. We work really hard. These folks right here with me work very hard to bring you awesome content every week. Thank you for all the guests we've had recently. I've had to play so much games. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> Not out of so room. much for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to go record Best Games Played. So we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.